Welcome to the Lanier Hills Church Sermon Podcast, where faith meets life. I'm Pastor Randall Popham, inviting you to explore wisdom from the Word with us. For more information, visit us online at lanierhills.com. If you have a Bible, go ahead and get it out with me. We're going to be in the book of John, John chapter 4, in just a minute. And uh, if, you don't, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You know, if you're just wanting to see, you can take it. There's also a Bible app called Uversion, and you can scan that little QR code, and it'll take you right to all the sermon scriptures. Today, there's a QR code on the back of the seats. And if you're new today, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Randall. I want to say thank you for coming. I'd love to meet you after the service. If you want more information, like about the church and who we are and how to get plugged in, take a moment. There's a little communication card in the seat, then the uh, little basket in front of you. Fill that out, and at the end of the service, you can place it in the, the little... Um, I'll tell you what to do with it at the end of the service, but go ahead and fill that out. Anyway... Um, Man, it's good to see you here today. I, I, I have, I, anybody have crazy dreams? Anybody crazy dreams? Like, my wife has crazy dreams every night, and she makes sure to tell me every day. And I think she's more crazy every day, all right? She tells me these dreams. And, uh, but sometimes I have dreams like that, too. I always didn't remember them, but last night I, I had a dream, and, and it was pretty crazy. So I was doing some, I was going to preach at somebody's funeral, and and I get there, it's like a last minute thing that like, we needed to preach at this funeral. And so I get there and I'm going to preach at it. And I don't have like my clothes and my suit or whatever, what I was going to do at a funeral. And I do have a suit and I wear it at funerals and weddings, right? And, um, but anyway, I, and I get there and my suit is like, doesn't match. I have like a purple top, purple jacket and a gold shirt. And, my, and my, I can't find my tie. And then I'm like, where are my sermon notes? Where am I? I mean, what, I don't know what I'm going to say. And I'm trying to get it. And, and I'm just like so anxious about this thing. And then, and, I, and then I woke up and I'm like, you know, that's how I feel like every time I come to preach. I'm just anxious. I always never feel prepared enough. I feel unqualified. Like there's always more I, I could have studied. And, um, you know, like... I just feel this anxiety, and I feel it this morning. I've been doing it here for, I've, I was with a group of pastors this past week, and we were praying over Will Schofield, the, the superintendent of Hall County. You got to lay your hands on and pray over him, and it was just a cool time. But I was there, you know, I'm the pastor. Everybody else has come and gone, and I'm the guy that's been there the longest, 18 years pastoring here in Hall County. And I still get nervous every time, and I still feel unprepared and all that. So, especially today, because I was talking with a friend, and he said, what are you preaching this Sunday? And I said, well, uh, I told him what I'm preaching. And he said, good luck with that. <laughs> he said, I've heard that sermon like six different times in six different ways, and I'm sure most of you have today. Because the story we're going to hear, you've probably heard. You probably can tell somebody else about it. But here's what I know about God's Word. It is active and it is alive. And if we come to it with open eyes and hear ears, it will change our life as it did in mine this week, as I heard something for the very first time, even though I've taught on it, I taught on it a few months ago, but I'm bringing it back. It will it'll change us. Look at this scripture, Hebrews 4.12. Look what it says about the Word of God. It is live, alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So imagine like a sharp sword, both sides can penetrate in. It says it penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit. We talked about the difference between soul and spirit a few weeks ago, Right? It digs deep in and helps us to understand what God wants to do. And it digs in like joints and marrow. And it says it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. So today, as we come with God's word, we're saying, Lord, use this sword, judge our hearts. 
Judge our attitudes, judge our motivation, use your word. And, and as you hear this scripture today, you'll say, oh, I know that story. Don't tune out. Like, say, God, use this in my life today. Let it be active and alive in me as it, was, as it showed me something I've never seen before as I studied it this week. So why don't we pray and ask God to do that because he wants to speak into your life. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is good. It is active. It is powerful. It breaks and crushes hard hearts. For those who have hard hearts this morning, I pray it would be a hammer that crushes us. Lord, and build something new. Let it be like a scalpel in the doctor's hands that does the exact work it needs to do, cutting out, judging whatever needs to be judged and cutting it out and whatever needs to be removed, Lord. Let it be bread to a, thir- to a hungry soul. Let it be water to thirsty people. Lord, let it be light to those who need direction. Lord, use your word in our life today. Open our eyes to see, ears to hear, mind to understand, and heart, Lord, that can be changed today. Bring your sword. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so John chapter 4 is where we're going to be. We've been going through the book of John. We're looking at the life of Jesus. And John does a little different than the other Gospels. It's basically, he's saying, I want you to see who Jesus is and what, why he matters. The other Gospels kind of tell you the story. We get some of the story as we go through John, but we also get some doctrine about this is who Jesus is. And so this morning, it's an opportunity in this, through this series to come and see who Jesus is and why he matters. And so today, we have this story that Jesus is, uh, he and his disciples are traveling and they are trying to get somewhere, so they take a shortcut that Jews don't typically take. They're going to go through Samaria, and, and they didn't, I'll tell you in a minute why they didn't usually go through Samaria, but as they go through, they end up at a well about noon in the middle of the day, super hot, and they sit down at the well. Jesus sits there, and his disciples go to get some food, and he's pretty parched. He wants some water. So let's pick up there in John 4, and we're going to start in verse 7. So it says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, by the way, we're going to read a lot of this today because it's too good to leave any out. So I don't usually read this much, but we're going to. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who asked you for it, for a drink, you would ask him, and he would have given you living water. Sir... The woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who dug and gave us this well and drank from it himself and also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them, they will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so that I won't, go, so I won't get thirsty and keep having to come here to draw water. She's thinking practically. Like, she's like, I hate coming here to get water. <laughs> she's like, just give me some of this water. I need some plumbing, right? And then he says to her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she said. When Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not even your husband. You're not married to him. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. This is important. 
We're going to come back to it. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but the Jews, you claim, you Jews claim that the place we are to worship is in Jerusalem. And woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming where when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. And for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when He comes, He will explain everything to us after He just did some explaining to her. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, and this is the first time he does this, I am he. People say, hey, Jesus is a great teacher. He's not claiming to be a great teacher. Who's he claiming to be? The one sent from God, the Messiah. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And then skip down to verse 39, and it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told them, he told me everything I did. I love this story. Maybe you've heard it. How many of you have heard this story? Right? You've heard it, heard it, heard it preached six different times, six different ways, and all, you, know, you kind of know the story. And one of the best ways to learn a story is to retell it. So let me just tell you, again, this story summarized in a little bit of background. So Jesus and his disciples are headed, right, to, to get somewhere on their journey. And they decide to go through Samaria, which Jews didn't often go through because they didn't like each other, Samaritans and Jews, even though they were related. See, 700 years before this, um, invaders came into the Samaritan area, and they were all Jews. And they came in, and they took a bunch of them away. They captive, captured a bunch of them, dragged a bunch of them away. But the ones left ended up intermarrying with their invaders. So they became like half-breeds, and they gave in and just kind of went with the flow. It also happened to the other Jews later on. And when they, but they, when some of them were taken off, but the ones who stayed didn't intermarry. They kept strong. They were strong in their faith. They stayed Jewish. They kept their culture strong. So 400 years, or 300 years later, around 400 um, A.D., when they all got their land back and came back, what we have is you have these like purebred Jews and you have these Samaritans who are half-breeds. And, they, and the Samaritans decide, we want to get back and be Jewish again, right? The Jews said, absolutely not. You can't have anything to do with this. You are unclean. We don't want to have anything to do with you. So now you have this constant tension and they both disliked each other. And so now you have Jesus 400 years later. He's going through Samaria. They didn't often do. He sits down at the well. And he sits down at the well at the middle of the day. It's super hot. He's parched. And a woman comes. His disciples leave to go get food. And this, this, and this woman comes. Now they would take a jar. And it was not like a jar we often think of a jar. It's actually something they could unfold. It was like a... Um, it was like made out of, of, of leather or a, a skin. So they would unfold this thing, dip it way down. And we know this well is over 100 feet deep because you can go still go see. So they dip it down in there. And that's what they would do. Now Jesus is sitting there. She comes up and, and he says, hey, can you give me some water? She's like, what are you doing talking to me? 
we don't like each other. Remember this? And I'm a woman, and guys didn't talk to women in public like that. You wouldn't even look them in the eye. But here is Jesus acknowledging her and her value and her importance, and they have this conversation. And Jesus says, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for the water. And what does she, she says, I want some of that water. <laughs> Give me some of that water. I need some of that water that I don't have to keep coming back here. And uh, Jesus says, all right, then go get your husband. And she's like, immediately, Jesus, what does he do? He exposes something in her, like something deeper. That there's not just a physical thirst, there's a spiritual thirst. He says, go get your husband. And she says, uh, I didn't have a husband. You're right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now, he's not even your husband. So he exposes this. And then she, and you notice, first she said, he's a Jew, you're a Jew, you shouldn't be talking to me. And then she says this, she said, you're a prophet, right? You're a prophet. You've just told me about myself. You know things about me. So she moves, he moves, she transforms. She goes from, you're just a Jew, you're a prophet. Then Jesus starts talking about worship and how true worshipers are gonna worship him. You know, it doesn't matter where you worship. He talks about how you will and when you will, right? And they start talking about, about that. And then she says, here's what I know. One day somebody's gonna come and he's gonna be able to explain all of this to us just like you did. And Jesus says, I'm the one. I am he. And the light bulb comes on. So she goes from saying, you're a Jew. You're a prophet. You're the Messiah. She's transformed. Like all of a sudden, like her thought, she just gets it. And she gets so excited. What does she do? She leaves that all-important jar. And runs off and tells other Samaritans. And it says that she told them everything that, could this be the Messiah? And if you go on down to verse 39, it says this, that she told so many people that many Samaritans came to faith in Jesus Christ. I love this story. This first evangelist, first missionary, wasn't one of the disciples, right? Wasn't one of the apostles. Guess what it was? It was a woman that had been married five times, sleeping with somebody she's not married to, who gets born again, transformed, and becomes an evangelist for Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great story? So what does this story tell us? It tells us there's so, it's such a rich story. What does it tell us about God? Let me tell you what it tells about God. It tells us this, first of all. If you didn't know this, I want you to know this, that God's love and grace is universal. It's universal, in fact, that, in meaning this, it's not like the universalist church that says, oh, God just loves everybody, and in the end, everybody's getting into heaven. We're not talking about that. But his love and grace is universal in the sense that no matter where you've been, what's your race, what's your background, what you have been through, what you've done, how you have treated other people, whatever your baggage you bring, God's love and grace accepts you and will forgive you and transform you. That's God's universal grace. It's open to anybody. It's not just limited to good church people, people who grew up in the South, right, or Republicans. It's not, right? It is open to whoever will come. And to the man, I love this story. It reminds us that at the foot of the cross, man, it is flat, and we all come before him. And if listen, as I read through this, it reminded me that, listen, if you might be sitting here thinking this, I'm not as bad as that girl. She's pretty, she's 
got a lot of baggage. She's pretty messed up. What's wrong with her? Why has she been divorced five times and now she's you know, got this stuff going on? Here's the danger, church. If you have grown up in church, like a lot of you have, you've been in church a long time, it's easy to think you're better than her. But until you realize you're just the same as her, you'll never understand amazing grace. That we all come like her. She represents every one of us. We've all got our junk. We've all got our stuff. And if we could put it all up on the screen, we'd probably all be embarrassed, right? She comes and represents us. And God's love for you and for me, for your children, for your neighbors, and listen, for your enemies, his love, his love is universal. But we have to accept that love. Now, Scripture also tells us this. Not only is God's love universal, we, as humans, we have a universal thirst. She came, parched, you know, needing some water, but Jesus points to a deeper thirst. He says, you, you have a deeper thirst. And you show it in a way you're going from man to man to man to man, seeking something to fill your heart. See, we all have this universal thirst. We have, a, we have a thirst for this. We have a spiritual thirst. You can go anywhere in the world, go to colonies and go to, go to um, cultures who've never had any interaction with any other human beings outside of their culture, and guess what you'll find? They have a thirst for something spiritual. There's something in us, built into us. God put it in there that we long for this spiritual desire. We have this spiritual need that needs to be met. met. And so she's seeking it out. She's trying to find it. We talked about the last few weeks that, you know, when we go surfing for stuff on the Internet, we go buying stuff. You know what we're really surfing, searching for? We're searching for a relationship with God. We have this universal thirst. We also have a universal thirst for meaning. Everybody wants to know, why am I here? Why did God put me here? What's my purpose? It's, and you can look around and understand that everything has a design and everything, the flower has a design. The purpose, of the sun has a purpose. The moon has a purpose. I mean, the fly has a purpose. I don't understand the purpose of a gnat, but it has to have a purpose, right? But there is a purpose for the gnat, and we don't know. But God gave us everything, and every person goes, what's my purpose? We also have a thirst for healing. See, everybody, everybody here knows this. They've been wounded. They've been hurt. They've hurt others. They've <clears throat> done things, said things. And in somebody's life today, we're, their, we're the enemy. And we know we've done that. But we're also hurt ourselves. And we go around constantly looking for something to heal the hurts in our life and our habits and our hangups that hurt us so much. She has this. And listen, she represents you. She represents your thirst for spirituality. She represents your thirst for purpose and meaning. She represents your healing that you desire and need in your own life. She's you. So how did she become transformed? What happened here? So I want to show you something that I've read a thousand times. And I've just read over it and missed it. But we just learned that the scripture is powerful, right? And every word in this has a meaning. It has a purpose for being in here. And I want you to see a word, see a scripture. Go back to verse 28 with me if you can skip down. Here's what it says. Then leaving her water jar. As I was reading through that, you know, I'm like, 
Okay, in the past, I just read through it. She left her water jar. She didn't go into the next story. But there's something beautiful about this. See, every, every word in here has a purpose, has a meaning. So why did Jesus, why does the, God leave the words, she left her water jar? Is that just a side note? No, I think it's the note. It's the important, important part because you know what that jar represents? It's so important for her. She came using that jar, but she left that jar at the foot of Jesus. And that jar reminds us of all of the jars in our life that we go seeking to fill and the thirst in our life. And if we ever want to know life, we have to leave our jars at the foot of Jesus Christ. That's what this whole thing is about. It's about leaving that. And it represents her old life and her old way of thinking. And she left it. And now she's moving on to this new life that God has for her. See, to really know transformation. Listen, teenagers. Listen, young adults. Listen, senior adults. Listen. Transformation begins when you can identify your unhelpful jars. When you can see this jar is not helpful in my life. When I can, you identify it, this is not a good jar. You confront it and decide to leave it at the foot of Jesus Christ. That's when transformation starts. For me, at the age of 19, I, gave my li- I recommitted my life to Christ. I got born again when I was younger. But God began really working in my life at the age of 19. And one of the first things I did, I said, I just need to consume. I need to read. I need to learn. And I found a, a book that someone suggested to me, and it was just such a great book. It, it literally set me on the right path. It was called a book called The Search for Significance. Has anybody in here read that book? It came out in 1984. Man, I read that book. I consumed it as a 19-year-old young man. And I was going through it, and the whole idea is that we all have this thirst, right? We're searching for something. We're searching for significance in our life. And at 19, you're like, what do I do with my life, right? What else should I be doing? So I want to know. And so God put that book in my life, and I went through it. I consumed it. And and it talks about how we often go looking for these jars, or not so much these jars, these things in our life to give us meaning, to give us purpose. And he goes through the list, and, one, and there's quite a bit of lists, and I'll share some of those in a minute. But the one that really stuck out to me that said, this is the jar you've got to leave behind. It was this jar. It was the jar of seeking the approval of others. That, if, that it, my life has value if others appreciate and love me. And, and I was, I'm a, an approval seeker. Right? And, and when I finally read that and realized... I don't have to seek the approval of others because I am fully accepted and loved and made perfect in Jesus Christ. I don't need the approval of others. And if people don't like me, they can just take it up with Jesus, right? I am his. And and when I got that, that was my jar. I like had to leave that behind because I'm the guy who like, who, who who would rather fail a class than give up and give a speech in, in high school I would rather fail a class and fail a grade rather than do that because I was too worried about what others would think of me. And now I do it for a living because I left that jar behind. Listen, what's your jar? What are you still holding on to saying, oh, I need the approval of others? Let me give you a list. Here's what we have to do. If you want to know transformation, you want to know real life, the freedom that Jesus offers, first thing you have to do is identify your unhelpful jars. Identify them. Look, take an honest inventory of the things in your life that hinder your spiritual growth and hold you back. Those are the jars in your life that you're holding on to. You cannot move forward holding on to those jars. 
That woman at the well, she's like, I'm leaving that back. And it's a spiritual, it's like there to remind us you can't hang on to that stuff. You gotta let go of it and walk with Jesus. What's some of your jars? Let me read a few of them. There's a lot more, but I want you just to identify. We've talked some of these, about these the last couple of weeks. Materialism and the pursuit of worldly possessions. There's nothing wrong with materials, right? Nothing wrong with it. Matter of fact, the scripture says everything good is from God. If God gives you something, you get, enjoy it. The problem is when we make that the thing where we find our satisfaction and our joy and our purpose. Materialism, the pursuit of worldly possessions. Addictions. And destructive behaviors. See, some of you, you, look, you know this. You've got addictions in your life. It might be a food. It might be a drug. It might be an alcohol. It might be you know, a person. You've got some destructive behavior and addictions. And you know it's destroying you. But you keep coming back to it. You keep coming back to that thing you're surfing for because you think it's going to satisfy you. Until you lay that down and recognize that God created you for something more, you're never going to know the healing and the peace that comes from Christ. I look around this room and I see friends, I see people who've been through down that journey, and they will tell you, man, he's absolutely right. Until you lay down that addiction and give it to Jesus, you'll never know freedom. My buddy Jason over here called me this last week. And he said, man, and I know Jason's been here a long time, about as long as I have at this church, and been down a road tough one of addiction and God set him free and now he helps other people come out of that and leads people out of it and he called me this past week he said you know what we need at church Randall and as God he's went through some path and led back here he said we need a ministry of helping people find recovery and addiction in Jesus Christ so we're meeting Tuesday to talk about how we can do that here at Lanier Hills Church and some of y'all need to Jason raise your hand right there some of y'all need to get with Jason because he's fired up about it and he wants to help people find freedom. And Katie. Katie's been there too, right? They do it, do it together. Until you can lay that behind. Leave that jar of addiction and say, God, I'm leaving that. You'll never know freedom. Busyness. How about this one? Busyness and overcommitment. Well, in America, we almost praise this. Man, you're super busy. You're working hard, right? You're getting it done. You've you got, man, you are committed, right? Let me ask you. How's that working out? Is that bringing you any satisfaction and joy? Or is it leaving you depressed? You never feel like you're getting enough done? It's tired, worn out, tearing up your family and your health? That's a jar some of you got to leave behind. Like, that's never going to satisfy me. Nothing wrong with working hard. We're made to work hard. But you're not to find your satisfaction and peace in that. Negative influences and unhealthy relationships. This is what this woman had. She had unhealthy relationships, negative influences in her life. Some of you got some negative influence. Some of young people, you're like, I want to follow the Lord. But you got all these people that are keeping you from doing it. So eventually, you got to say, I'm leaving those jars behind. I'm going to walk in this new life. Unhealthy relationships. But this last one, I think it represents this woman really well. There was a jar of past mistakes and regrets she had a lot and some of you are still holding on to that it's not something you're seeking satisfaction in. you're just holding on to that and, and all your past mistakes and you've got a lot of regrets and and you're holding on to that and listen you'll never know the life God intends for you holding on to all of that shame and guilt I love how this woman left that behind 
and ran into town to everybody who knew who she was and said, come follow me, I'm following Jesus. Can't hang on to the shame and guilt and know the life God wants for you. Identify your unhelpful jars. Second thing, surrender to God. Surrender to God. Pray and invite God into the process of transformation, asking him to control and guide you. Pray, asking God for help. Listen, laying down those jars that you keep picking up, that's tough. That's, you just keep going back. You know what we need? We need divine intervention. We need God's help in that. And until we finally come and say, Lord, I need help, we're just doing it on, on, our, on our own. To finally lay it down and say, God, I need your help. You know what God says in the scripture? He opposes proud people. God actually works against people who are proud. And you know who the proud people are? Who are the people who say, God, I can do it on my own. And when you humble yourself, he joins with you and he exalts those who humble themselves. Nearly every day I get up and I say, Lord, help me. Help me. I can't, I need to resist temptation. I need to resist. Every Sunday, listen, I go home feeling, listen, I go home feeling like I'm not enough, like I've not done enough, I've not been clear enough, I'm not enough as a pastor. And the enemy does his worst on me on Sundays after I preach. And I'm like, Lord, I need your help. Just to get through Monday morning, to get to Monday morning. Just help me, help me, help me. And let me tell you, let me give you an acronym for a prayer you can pray for help. You ready? God gave me this a few weeks ago, and I've just been praying it. Help. Lord, heal my wounds. Heal where I'm hurt and I'm trying to feel something in my life. Heal that up. Lord, empower me. The E, empower me. I need your help today. Strengthen, strengthen me. Let me walk in your spirit. L, lead me, Lord. Would you lead me today? Lead me where I need to go. Be the Holy Spirit. Guide my steps. And P, protect me. Jesus said this, Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, I need your protection. Will you protect me? Heal me, empower me, lead me, protect me. That's what I need today. Finally, embrace God's grace. Accept God's unconditional love and grace. Understanding, listen, that his forgiveness is freely offered to you. Listen, listen. this woman, she absolutely knew, I don't deserve it. I'm a Samaritan. I'm a woman. I'm, I've been married five times. I'm living with somebody I don't, I'm not married to. I don't deserve it, right? But you know what grace is? It's God's undeserved love and favor he gives to people just because he wants to. Now, she could have just sat there in shame and guilt. She could have picked those jars back up and said, no, I don't deserve that. But she didn't. She embraced that grace and went and became a preacher. (laughs) She went and became an evangelist and a witness for Jesus because she accepted that grace for herself. Embracing God's grace. Accepting his unconditional love. That's when you know freedom. And you know how you know you got that and you've embraced it? 
can't keep it to yourself. You want to go tell other people. You can't, you can't you're like, I got to share with somebody what God has done for me. So church, this morning, maybe you're listening online today. You're here this morning. You're a believer in Jesus Christ. You get this story. You've left that jar. You're following Jesus. But let me ask you something. Do you keep going back and picking up jars that are unhelpful? Do you keep going back and seeking things, relationships, people, addictions, hoping they'll satisfy you, but you know they won't? Once you understand something, God's grace is still enough for you today. Walk in that grace. Start fresh today, leaving that jar behind. If you come to your place in your life and you're like, I'm seeking after something, I'm not sure what it is, I want to encourage you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, be like this woman. Believe that he's not just a good man, not just a teacher and a prophet, but he is the Son of God who came to die on a cross for your sins. If you'll put your faith in him, he will transform you and give you a new life. Maybe you need to do that today. Would you bow your heads with me? Why don't you just take a moment and pray? First of all, Lord, thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for your love and forgiveness that you offer to every person. It is this universal love. And Lord, my prayer is that every one of us would know that love and that grace. But that grace and love is only, in, only experienced when we embrace it for ourselves, just as this woman did. There are people here today who searching for you, searching for meaning, searching for healing, hoping to find it in some jar that's unhelpful. I pray they'll find it in you today. If that, Listen, if that's you today, I want to encourage you. Make a mental, mental image of you laying down your life, leaving your unhelpful jars at the feet of Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want to be filled with you. I want to follow you today. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you're already a believer in Jesus Christ. And God's just, and I want you to just take a moment and do this this morning. I want you to, first of all, identify and ask the Lord, God, is there any unhelpful jars I keep trying to pick up in my life? leave this here. Identify that jar. Surrender to God. Say, God, would you help me leave this jar behind? I'm tired of picking it up. I want to leave it at the foot. Your foot, Jesus. Your feet. I'm leaving it there. Help me to walk in your grace for myself and share that grace with others. Father, we thank you Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for your word becoming alive and active to us. Would you do the work now, judging our hearts, our thoughts, our intentions, so that we can know the peace that you want to give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. They're going to, we're going to sing a powerful song. That how all we need is Jesus. But during this time, well, I like to sometimes do something a little different just to give us a reminder we take with us out of here it just reminds us of what we've heard and what we've learned so we can put it into practice. And so this morning, 
I've got here and over on the side over here these little bitty tiny jars. They're little. And they, they kind of represent, it can represent different things to you today. But maybe it's the jar you're leaving behind. You're saying, it's empty now. I'm leaving that behind. Or maybe it's the new jar you're picking up and walking with. Maybe it's just that, Lord, I want to be filled. Fill this jar every single day of my life. Help me. Fill me up. Whatever it is. So here's what we're going to do. As we sing this song, I'm going to give you the opportunity. You can come. Just take the jar. Take it back to your seat and ask God, you know, this, what does this mean for me today? Maybe you need to come and you know you've identified some jars. You need to leave them at the feet of Jesus. You can come and pray right down front. Last service, the front was just full of people praying. And just leave it at the foot of Jesus. Then pick up this new jar and say, George, I want that, the living water. Take it. You can put it in your pocket. Do whatever. It is real glass, so don't break it. But take that and uh, let it represent whatever God wants to do in your life today.